0: Say you're really good at something that you could teach other people. So coaching or consulting or even having your own podcast, writing books. I mean, there's just so many ways. My particular podcast is about helping people, you know, find something that they're passionate about and find a way to monetize it. Maybe people feel like they're in a dead end job or maybe it is the career that they went to school for and everything. But like they're still for some reason not finding purpose.
1: It all begins by understanding the mind.
0: I want to be happy now. I don't care about the future. I want to be happy right now.
1: You are not alone. You are never, ever, ever alone in this. It's helped my voice grow and given me freedom to be creative on my own. I'm Christina Barcy. Welcome to Be Bold, Begin, a podcast dedicated to you, the creative, the healer, and the innovator. The topics and conversations we have here are designed to help you discover what might be getting in your way and offer you tools, techniques, and guidance to move through them.
0: I live in the imposter's body more than I live in my own body. I don't have to feel like I don't deserve
1: this. This is where creativity and healing intersect. If you decide to be bold and begin, you have the opportunity to feel humbled and empowered. I totally believe that. I'm a certified Kaizen Muse creativity coach, a certified Reiki energy healer, and an entrepreneur, artist, and presenter. I will share with you my experiences, my proven tools and techniques that helped me and my clients and loved ones shift and expand in the areas they most desired. This is a gentle and open space where you will hear how others are being bold to encourage you to begin your own journey or expand the one you're on. This is Be bold Begin. Hi, Welcome back. This is Barcy, your host. And as you know, we talk about beginning a lot on this show and also what it means to take bold steps towards what is most on your heart to pursue. And my guest today can speak to these things from a place of experience. I have with me today, Sarah St. John, Who I first noticed on a podcasting social app called Good Pods, co created by JJ Ramberg. So shout out to JJ because I think she's very cool. And Sarah was the most active member there. She's sharing all of the podcast episodes, connecting with. It seemed like everybody on that app that it was very hard not to notice her. She has her own podcast called Frugalpreneur, building a business on a bootstrap budget. And just like myself, Sarah also has a full service podcast production and management agency called Podseam. She offers an online course called Podcast Profit Pro, and she launched a new community called Biz Builders Buzz, which I just requested to join. So you should add me. And (laughs) I'm going to read just a little bit more about Sarah. So, she identifies as an entrepreneur, a podcaster, author, animal lover, and world traveler. She's created several startups throughout her entrepreneurial career of over a decade. And through her books and podcasts, her goal is to show you how to launch and manage an online business on a budget. Welcome, Sarah. Well, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, I
0: think I did get an alert that you requested to join. I just haven't logged back in yet. But (laughs) Don't worry, I'll approve you.
1: (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Like I was looking at your website and I just saw all of the things that I should do better. I'm working on creating a community on Mighty Networks as well, which is for anyone who doesn't know is the platform that you can create communities and courses and all these things on. I think it's really cool. And I was like, oh, of course she's using Mighty Networks too. Like that's great. And starting communities there. And of course we have alignment in the podcast production area as well. And we both have podcasts, of course, that want to show people how to do things. I love your website. If anyone hasn't seen it, they should check it out. I'll put that in the show notes. It's very well organized and I feel like it's clear and like i know what i'm gonna get when i get there and it's really good so
0: yeah well thank you i did it myself so
1: yeah yeah Yeah, it looks great it's organized i love it can you tell i struggle in that area (laughs) i'm very admirative of it
0: well my website's organized but like pretty much nothing else is organized in my life i'm trying to get things organized like you have a bookshelf there with all your books. I actually just ordered a bookshelf, so that's one of the things I'm working on as organization.
1: Interesting. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. It changes everything when we can wrap our mm-hmm. brains around it and put a system in place, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I want to start by asking a little more about your journey, because I know that, so you and I talked a little bit before we jumped into this conversation, and you shared with me that you've built a few businesses, that you've done this a few times, and I would love to know a little bit more about that, about, well, I'm always interested in the why, so why you went on that journey, how that went, and kind of what you were doing before that made you want to go on this path of startups and beginning things.
0: So in 2008, I had had six different jobs, not at the same time, but throughout the course of the year and just realized, you know, this isn't working out. Like I want to work for myself. And so I started with a photography business because I like taking photos of animals, architecture, landscapes, but I was doing mainly weddings and portraits because that's really the only way you can make money starting out, Mm. but I realized I didn't like taking photos of people. (laughs) Plus (laughs) it got expensive after a while just to maintain all the equipment and everything. And so I decided I wanted to switch to an online business model, but I wasn't sure what. And so I tried a bunch of different things like drop shipping, blogging, affiliate marketing. I had a print on demand t-shirt company, all these different things. And none of them were really sticking like... (sighs) I closed them up soon after starting them because I'm like, "Eh." (laughs) and then I did have a travel agency that actually was doing really well. And I thought that that's what was going to be my thing. Like I finally found my thing, but then COVID hit and I was already like, I I had been doing the travel agency, I guess about four five years I think it was but it was towards the tail end of it that I discovered podcasting and was really getting involved in that so I was already kind of thinking like it's going to be hard to juggle both of these but then when COVID happened and all my bookings got canceled and you don't get paid until the people travel and so it was a bunch of work that I did for no pay and I was like "Eh." and who knew and still kind of like with (laughs) travel and whatnot so I was just at that time I Closed that, and then went all in on podcasting. And how I got into podcasting is kind of interesting. So initially, I wrote a book called Frugalpreneur, and it was just about like the different online business models and how to make money online, and like the software and tools to use that you could basically run an online business pretty close to free, if not. My goal was under a hundred a month. I've always stayed under a hundred a month, and wow. so uh, <laughs> yeah. So I wrote a book, but then I decided to launch a podcast also called Frugalpreneur and it was just to kind of coincide with a book launch like an extra marketing avenue I guess and it was going to be you know 10 episodes well I got more leverage and traction from the podcast I loved the connections I was making and the networking so I just kept going and I guess I've been doing that almost three years now about 150 episodes or so. And then, and I was producing my own show. And so I thought, why not get paid to do this for other people? So then I decided to launch podcast production agency like you have as well. And so finally I found my thing, but it took over a decade of trying a million different things to stumble upon
1: that thing. (laughs) Wow, thank you for sharing all of that. I mean, my first question really from that is hearing like, you know, where we just stab at things, we're like, maybe this will work. And maybe that'll work. And I don't know, like, which makes me think that there was something you were searching for, you're saying my thing, but like, what's behind that, right? Like, what's the thing that is your thing? Like, what is that really that we're searching for that wasn't working with these other business models?
0: I think it might be a few things. One, because everything else was just about finding a way to make money online, but I wasn't passionate about it. Right. So there's that, whereas I'm passionate about all things podcasting. But I think also with a lot of those businesses, there was no like community around it. There was no like networking and interaction. Mm -hmm. It was just like very transactional, I guess. Whereas with podcasting, like what we're doing right now, like, we're networking, we're meeting people, making connections, friends, I'll be meeting you in person in Austin. And
1: yes, I'm so excited about that.
0: (laughs) And you're actually the one who pushed me over the edge to get me to come. Because I had heard about it, but I didn't really think much of it. Because I, you know, but then you were like, Oh, no, (laughs) you should really come. It's in Austin, which isn't far from me, like three hour drive from Dallas. So anyway, um, yeah, I think (laughs) that's probably kind of just the network and connection and community and the passion and almost I guess even a purpose maybe whereas like you know drop shipping for example it was like (laughs) all you care about is making sales and that's it
1: you know transactional yeah right I hear all the passion, which is amazing. You answered my question beautifully, because I believe that if we're not passionate about what we're doing, we do really struggle in in finding the joy and the fulfillment in what we're doing. Even if we just need money, there still is something that needs a little joy (laughs) in Mm -hmm. the thing. It's hard to just do transactional work as a full-time gig, especially if it's your own business, I think. What do you feel you landed on when it comes to purpose with relationship to podcasting?
0: Well, I think as far as my podcast goes, Frugalpreneur, I think it's the purpose is, you know, because we grow up being told that we have to go to college and get a four, six, eight year degree, be, (laughs) you know, whatever. And for some people, yeah, that makes sense, depending on what it is that they're wanting to do, like be a doctor or a lawyer or whatever. But I feel like so many things, you know, a trade school or being self taught, I'm not like talking down on college education or anything. I have an associate's, which whatever, but it's not much. But anyway, (laughs) but I guess for me, like with podcasting, my particular podcast is about helping people find ways to make money online, you know, find something that they're passionate about and find a way to monetize it, ideally online, just because of the low overhead Mm -hmm. versus, you know, retail or brick and mortar. And so I think that's kind of where the purpose comes in is like maybe people feel like they're in a dead-end job or maybe it is the career that they went to school for and everything, but like they're still for some reason not finding purpose. But I mean, I feel like... There's a multitude of ways to make money online, even like, say you're really good at something that you could teach other people. So coaching or consulting or even having your own podcast, you know, writing books about whatever topic. I mean, there's just so many ways. So, uh, yeah, I guess that would be my purpose.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm hearing so much service in what you're sharing, you know, being of service to helping people find the things that worked that you can share about that you have experience in or that you can guide them towards. And that's a beautiful thing. There's a lot of joy in being able to watch someone, you know, grow and find something that's going to work for them and add joy into their lives. Right? Like, so rewarding. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I think also, like, the purpose of that book and the podcast is kind of to help people. Mm -hmm. I feel like I spent so much time, like, finding all these ways to run a business on a budget and what ways work for what people and all that stuff. So I think just saving people time and energy to like not have to research all that themselves.
1: Yeah, paying it forward. I think that's what I love about podcasters is we all have that sentiment to what we do. Mm -hmm. Not all, all. I mean, of course, I'm generalizing, but I feel like the community really does want to do that for people in a way that is actionable and simpler and formulaic sometimes or systematic. Yeah, it's just a very giving space Mm -hmm. to work in and to be in Mm. i think authors too right like it makes so much sense to do a book and a podcast i think that was really savvy of you and smart and then i love that you fell in love with podcasting as a result
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah and i actually did that three different times. So I did Frugalpreneur, then launched the podcast. And that's my main, you know, flagship podcast, I guess you could say. But then I decided to write a book about self publishing, because that's what I did.
1: That was my next question. Okay, perfect. Oh, (laughs) I was gonna ask you about how you wrote the book.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah. And then I took episodes from Frugalpreneur that had to do specifically with self-publishing. So then I created a separate podcast called Authorpreneur to go with the book. And then I wrote another book called Podcastpreneur and did another podcast called Podcastpreneur. But those two podcasts, all I'm doing is like repurposing episodes from Frugalpreneur that have to do with self-publishing or podcasting.
1: Oh my God, you're a genius. I love that. (laughs) 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 You just chicken souped your own brand. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, Yeah, I hadn't thought of that. But yeah, I guess so. (laughs) You chicken souped podcasts. Oh, wow. Like the chicken soup for the soul. (laughs) Or what's the dummy one? Like something for dummies. Like that's what you did. Yeah. (laughs) That's so cool. (laughs) I'm mate still that. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I really do. And I think that's so smart. And I'm so glad you shared it because those types of hacks, and I'm calling it a hack just because... You seem like you're a master at being frugal with your time as well as your money. Mm-hmm. And that's what you're doing. You're, you're using something you've already created and creating something new and creating an entry point that's accessible right away where someone doesn't have to go searching for those episodes in the original podcast and go straight to authorpreneur mm-hmm. or podcastpreneur or whichever um, entity. So that's what I mean about your website. It's like so easy to navigate. Mm. And now it makes sense the way that your brain works. <laughs> oh. You're making it easy for me, right? The person who's showing up to try to learn Mm. something or get something or who needs something. And that's what I think you're giving people. Just by doing it, we're learning from you because I just learned so much. (laughs) I got excited about that.
0: (laughs) That was fun. Yeah. I don't know if I've ever really talked about that on a podcast before that I... I mean, I've talked about my first book and the podcast, but I haven't really talked about the other podcasts and the books. That was new information i guess
1: <laughs> well yeah you should talk about it that's such a cool thing that you did and also like what a great way for someone who has a big index like you do meaning like the frugalpreneurs you've said you've been doing it for three years you have around 150 episodes when you have that much of a library i'm sure you've covered a lot mm-hmm. and there's lots of probably themes and categories that you can pull out and brand and you already have such a cool fun name to play with the like frugalpreneur or podcastpreneur mm-hmm. <laughs> author I follow your authorpreneur on Good pods I realized as well. Oh, yeah really? so it's a very like easy to digest fleshed out brand. and what a fun way, an <laughs> easy way to approach branding. We like to make these things hard. so I like that you're making them kind of easy <laughs> and accessible. That's why I'm like so excited about oh. it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I appreciate it. It's
1: good to get that feedback. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You should talk about it more. It's cool. So did you write the one book or did I hear that there's maybe a couple others?
0: Yeah, there's three books. So okay. basically I wrote Frugalpreneur and that's kind of about different types of ways to make money online and different software you can use to do it affordably and things like that. But then I wrote the book Authorpreneur to talk about the self-publishing process because that's what I did with the first book well with all of them and then podcastpreneur is like an intro to podcasting basically Mm -hmm. but the podcasts that go with each book Mm -hmm. the authorpreneur and podcastpreneur those episodes are taken out of frugalpreneur because i realized i had like 10 to 20 something episodes on those topics kind of when i was in the middle of it i was interviewing a Yeah, a lot of self-publishing people and things like that. So Makes sense.
1: I have a lot of podcast (laughs) episodes. We're actually in the middle of a podcast season right now with a few other things sprinkled in that I think are related to this theme of creating something, which is ultimately what we do when we're podcasting. So I get that. I get that we go into these, like, what I'll just say, like, themes for a while sometimes in our episodes. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that all makes sense to me for sure. What, like, inspired you to write a book at the time? The first one.
0: (laughs) Actually, it's kind of funny. Uh, So I was in a Dave Ramsey class called Financial Peace. I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's like about how to pay off debt and whatnot. Because at the time I was in debt, not from business stuff, but just whatever else, the car and whatnot. And so I remember sitting in one of the classes thinking, okay, this information is really good as far as like how to pay off debt, how to save money. But what about making more money to help with that? And then I was sitting there and I was like, I could write a book called Frugalpreneur about all the different ways to make money online. It just kind of
1: came into your head. (laughs) I love that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, even the word came into my head. And I was like, in fact, I guess I will. Like, it was kind of a joke in my head. At first, I was like, I've researched so much stuff, I could write a book on it and call it Frugalpreneur. And then I was like, actually, I think I will. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. So then I had to learn all kinds of stuff about self-publishing and
1: whatnot. So... How yeah. <laughs> difficult was that? Was that like a long process or kind of meticulous or was it kind of like, okay, this step and then this step or how did that go?
0: No, it wasn't very difficult. You know, you could go the traditional publishing route, but I mean, it's just really difficult to get So I didn't even try to go that route. Plus you have a lot more control right. with self-publishing and you actually make more on, I mean, you won't get an upfront bonus or what it, advance, that's what right. they call it. You won't get that, but you'll still make more per book with self-publishing. But yeah, the process really wasn't that difficult. I mean, I just kind of outlined the topics and out what kind of order to put them in and just wrote and then I did hire someone to do like the editing or the proofreading and whatnot at the end. She was like two cents a word and now she's like 15 cents a word. So anyway I I was able to use her for my first three books but I'm actually working on a fourth one now and (laughs) I probably won't be able to use her because 15 cents a word is quite a jump but you know so I'm kind of back to the drawing board on finding that. But other than that and the cover which I just hired someone on fiverr to do the covers Mm. so other than those two things i mean it was basically free because i published through amazon kdp and it's free to put it up there like they just take i think it's like the printing cost or whatever their fee is around for the physical book it's like two bucks for the size books i have and then i think for the ebook they take like 30 percent so But yeah, so you don't really have any upfront costs. You don't have to order a bunch of books and like store them in a garage or something. It's print on demand. So somebody goes on Amazon, orders your book, and then it's printed and sent out to them all through Amazon. Wow. Like you don't have to do anything. So once you kind of learn what the options are and how to go about it, it's pretty simple.
1: Amazing. That's really good to know. It makes it sound <laughs> very, it's like, oh, okay, like maybe I can write a book and like publish it.
0: Yeah, because I think so many people that seems overwhelming to them because they think, well, first of all, who's going to want to publish my book? Well, you can publish your own book now without, you know, Mm. needing to get some kind of book deal. And I think maybe for fiction books, I don't know. It seems to me like for nonfiction, though, because of how fast things change, like if it's a book about business stuff, if you're getting a traditional book deal... I mean, supposedly, even after the book's done, it can take like another six to 12 months for it to even come out and like all this stuff. Well, by the time it comes out, like half that stuff's going to be outdated, probably. So
1: yeah, yeah, that's a good point. I was thinking about that, too, while you were talking about the process of how easily that can happen with Mm -hmm. technical type conversations within books, right? Like what kind of softwares to use, and that can change very quickly. To that note, do you tend to update and resubmit or?
0: So I think I did that once on my first book. I did like an updated one. And I've been thinking I probably need to do that because it's not that, I mean, you just go back in, date it, obviously don't delete your manuscript, have it somewhere that you can go and update it. And then you just re-upload it. And it takes maybe like a day or something for it to be
1: available but yeah, that's how simple it that is. That is wild that it's that easy. That's great to know. Yeah, How's marketing? Do we market? Do you just let it sit on Amazon and let people buy it? Or how's that work? So I have done some
0: marketing. So with my first book, they wouldn't let me do Amazon ads because supposedly the subtitle was quote, making a promise because it says how to launch, manage, and market your online business for under $100 a month. And I guess because it's Hmm. uh, whatever, they wouldn't approve it for ads. Interesting. But you could run Facebook ads or something, I think. I don't know. I think I did. I was able to do Amazon ads for the other books because I learned to not be that specific, I guess, in a subtitle. But I feel like the Amazon ads... Didn't really do a whole lot. So if your intention of the book is more like a lead magnet or lead generator and like to get people on your email list or mm. to get people to to know about you or to like maybe you reference something in your book about uh, how you can help them next. That's really what my goal was in all three ah. books. And so I was fine like submitting it to places that would give it away for free because and I still give the ebooks away for free because...
1: It's a marketing tool. That is the marketing tool.
0: Right.
1: Ah, okay. Right. So goals. I'm glad you brought that up. So how important do you think it is to understand what your goals are when you are starting to self-publish?
0: I think it's actually quite important because it's probably going to, from the layout of the book to like the content in it, it's going to be significantly different if it's a book that you care more about, like actually selling. mm and making money off of versus, okay, this is more of a lead magnet, I'm fine giving it away, I'm fine selling it for 99 cents, whatever. Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Right. I think it influences everything too.
0: Yeah. And one kind of hack thing is, so if you go to Amazon and you click on a book, it usually has like that look inside feature Hmm. that you click on. So you can kind of see the first few pages of a book or something like that. Mm -hmm. Well, if your main purpose of the book is to generate leads let's say then you could have some kind of opt-in thing in the beginning of the book the person doesn't even have to buy the book but then they see the opt-in thing and they think they're getting you know a deal like oh I thought this was only for people who bought the book that get this free course or this whatever it might be because some people like create courses to go along with the book which is kind of what I'm doing right now for my fourth one but it's kind of a way to get like the person doesn't even have to buy the book But you could still get their information and get them on your email list, uh, you know.
1: That's so smart. (laughs) That's Uh. just like a wonderful thing to notice. You're good at observing these little things and going, oh, if I just did that, then I get what I need out of this experience. That's really cool. Right.
0: So if your goal is to actually make money on selling the book, you probably wouldn't do that or be as inclined. And plus, if you go the traditional route, they don't, I don't think allow you to do that from what I understand.
1: I see. So... Yeah, that makes sense. It all has its place, it seems. But it's good to know what those different options look and then measuring those against your goals. And the whole reason you want to write a book in the first place, I think, is where all of it should start. But knowing how it influences when you're done, like these are little things you can do, or maybe you don't worry about that and you do this instead because your goal isn't to lead them somewhere. It's just to buy the book. And that is what you're trying to monetize, right? Two different paths. Right. I'm glad you pointed that out. Thanks for talking about books for as long as we did.
0: (laughs) Oh, no problem. I hope I didn't go too far into it. No,
1: no, not at all. I just have a lot of questions about it because it's interesting to me. Oh, And I'm thinking of writing a book. So I think that's where those are coming from. Ah. And I'm also writing a course like you are as well. Ah, uh So funny. (laughs) (laughs) So we're in alignment there too. I wanted to ask you what the process was like writing it. Like, did it take you a long time? Or do you feel like the time and energy effort was worth giving something away for free? Because I know people worry about Mm. that. Like, oh, I'm giving it away for free. but I'm going to spend all this time writing a book. Mm.
0: Yeah. So all my books, they're pretty short. Like, mm, I think about 80 pages or under 10,000 words or right around there. And so I would say... And I was just writing it off and on in the evenings and weekends, primarily on Saturdays, I guess, at my favorite local coffee shop. Nice. I would say each book maybe took about three months on average. And that was just like, maybe five hours a week at most. Like, okay, it was just kind of something I was doing on the side, I guess, or in spare time. And I actually kind of recommend... At least if the book is going to be more of a lead generation tool versus like a book that you just want to make money on. I kind of recommend it being short like that to where someone can read it in like an hour because the thing is, is if it's like 300 pages or something, they might not ever get through the whole book. But if it's, you know, can be read in an hour, generally people will finish it, so...
1: That's again really smart to think about it that way. Like, what is the user experience when they're just trying to get to Mm -hmm. point A to point B? They're trying to learn something and go do the thing, hopefully. And there's so many ways we try to stop ourselves when we're doing, when we're trying to learn something new or do something new. So, shorter pathways are great. I'm glad you shared that. How long did it take? So, five hours a week, but for how long?
0: I think each book maybe took three months on average, but that was like. Okay. From kind of outlined to published one book maybe took I think the first one maybe took six months or so because I was learning about the process but then the other two books I already knew how to do all that so it was just the writing and editing yeah it wasn't very time consuming for a book that size
1: that's so doable. Mm-hmm. So if there's anyone listening that's thinking about writing something like what a great way to get started is first of all, like what a great way to see if you even like writing to just mm. try it and know that you could easily put it in Amazon without having to monetarily invest too much. It's just an investment of time and experience. But you get all of that learning when we do things like that. So
0: Oh, another thing I want to recommend is have you heard of App Sumo? I don't think so. Okay, it's like a website that they used to just have software on there. It's usually like startup software companies. It's all for business-related software. But it's basically where their plan is to, you know, charge monthly at a certain point, but they need like an influx of cash, basically, almost like a Kickstarter. And so they'll offer their software for like a lifetime deal of, I don't know, 50 bucks or whatever, like major discount. Well, so AppSumo recently, well, I'd say it's been a year or two, started letting people upload courses and eBooks. So I've actually made more on AppSumo with my eBooks than on Amazon.
1: Oh, interesting. (laughs) AppSumo. We'll have to put something like that in the show notes so people can take a look at it and explore. That's so interesting. So do you put podcasts there too?
0: No, it's basically just software. Now it's software, ebooks and courses. That's pretty much the only thing.
1: Interesting. Do they take a cut of like your course or your book? Yeah, I'm trying to think how much somewhere
0: between 10 and 30. But I can't remember exactly. Okay.
1: Yeah, it's just good to know that there's something like that when we involve ourselves in platforms. But if you're selling things more there, yeah, that's conversion and that's what we want. So sometimes it's still worth it. Yeah, I think
0: my books are on there for like a dollar each. Whereas on Amazon, the ebook is two ninety nine. So people are still getting a little bit of a deal, I guess. <laughs> and so, yeah, I've sold more that way. Interesting.
1: Wow, that's so cool. All right, I'm going to shift gears back into podcasting a little bit because you decided you were going to produce for other people. And you probably had to teach yourself how to do it for your show. And not everyone likes to do that. It's a skill that can be a hurdle, or it can be something that we like, or something we can learn, but we don't like. So I'm just curious, like, what was it like for you? And what made you want to do more of it?
0: I don't know, I guess it just came easy to me in a way, because I mean, I was used to editing photos before with the photography business.
1: Ah, good point. Yeah.
0: Which I prefer editing audio, actually. So I was just doing it on my own show because I'm frugal. I didn't want to hire anyone. (laughs) But obviously there are people out there who have the budget to hire someone. Because I think one of the problems that people get into when they start a podcast is they don't realize really all that's involved, like the back end mm-hmm. post production stuff. And so usually they pod fade after, I don't know, I think seven to 10 episodes is the average. Yes.
1: And for those that don't know, pod fading just means you basically quit, you fade out. You mm-hmm. know.
0: Yeah, and so most people are fine, like doing the recording, but they don't want to do the editing, the producing, the show notes, the audiograms, the,
1: the marketing
0: You know, just all of that stuff. Yes. Yeah. A lot of things. So, yeah, I figured, well, I'm already doing it for myself. So, (laughs) and podcasting is just continually growing, getting bigger and bigger, lots of money being thrown that way. So, it just made sense, I think. And there are a lot of, you know, we both have podcast production agencies. There's a lot of them out there now, but there's still, I think, enough business to go around
1: hundred percent so. oh absolutely yeah. and everyone likes to work with different styles and as many personalities mm-hmm. as there are out there I think are as many matches in you know business relationships too and particularly podcast personalities and creators so I agree I always think there's enough mm-hmm. to go around <laughs> <laughs> yeah why not I mean why worry about so, it yeah. honestly well and that's actually something I've
0: found within the podcasting community is they're very supportive of whether it's two podcasts or two podcast production agencies, whatever. It doesn't feel like people are really competing. Like they're more encouraging. Yeah,
1: I think so too. And there's more opportunities or people looking at at it from an opportune place where it's like, how can we partner? How can I help you? How can we help each other? And I agree that's such a wonderful industry from that perspective. I mean, Yes, if we talk about the big, big, big guys like Spotify and whatnot, they're buying all the Mm. things and all of that's happening, too. But when it comes to sort of that middle tier and down part of the industry, I think that that is the sentiment. That's why I like to go to the conferences.
0: Yeah, I'm excited to go. This will actually be the first one I'm actually making it to. Oh. Yeah, I'm going to go to Podcast Movement in August in Dallas, where I live. But yeah, Outlier will be the first one that I actually go to. So Amazing. <laughs> well,
1: that'll be fun then. And that's a really good one to get started with, because it's more intimate. It's everything we're talking about regarding networking and relationship within the industry, this is a good representation of that. Mm-hmm. Everyone's very genuine and everyone wants to help each other. And it's why I like it so much. And full disclosure, I'm on the advisory board. So that's also why I like it so much. <laughs> it's not my job to get people to go or anything. I just mm-hmm. like to talk about it. Um But yeah, so That's a great one. I can't wait to kind of catch up with you there in person too and see what you connect with while you're there. And and maybe you'll speak at the next one you should. They might still be taking speakers if you still want to apply. Just throwing that out there. You have lots of things you've done that are relevant to podcasters, by the way. So, and I think you know that, but we could learn a lot from you. So I'm glad we're having this conversation. Also, I have to say that it seems like everything that you want to do, you're just kind of good at it. You're like, oh, it was kind of easy. <laughs> oh. I just did it. I don't know. It was great. I just liked it, <laughs> <laughs> which is cool. Yeah. I mean, I guess I don't,
0: want people to assume that that's how it is for everyone maybe that's why podcasting and writing books i guess why i enjoy them so much also is because maybe they come more natural to me than whereas the other stuff i tried online like i wouldn't say probably that oh it's you know easy and Mm. whatever it
1: was a little more hard work
0: or the type of work that i just wasn't into i guess
1: yeah, I define it that way because I feel like I feel like we need to redefine what work means. I think that a lot of things require effort and that doesn't necessarily mean it's hard. Like mm-hmm. podcasting is very effortful. Mm-hmm. I'm sure, you know, writing can be very effortful as well, like writing a book. But work is effortful in those other areas you mentioned too. But it maybe it was like hard work where it's like, This is not intuitive to me. I have to mm-hmm. really work at it. You know, it's just like a different type of experience. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And things start to get really magical when we lean into the things that are more intuitive. It sounds like that's what you found with podcasting. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Finally found that thing.
1: Yeah. When did you launch your company, the production company?
0: I kind of launched it, I guess you could say or started it, I guess. I don't know, maybe a year or something ago. But I haven't even really started fully promoting it. Because I kind of have a game plan because I'm working on a new book that it's about podcasting, but it's much more. Whereas the first book I wrote was more of an intro to podcasting. This one's going to be more about like specifically monetizing networking and all that stuff. And it's going to coincide with the course for the first time. It's not with another podcast. So that'll be different. But my goal for the book and the course is for those to kind of lead into the production agency like, Mm -hmm you know, teaching people what they need to do, but if they want help with it or the coaching or whatever.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So it's like it's out there, but I haven't really been really promoting it because I have this kind of plan and I'm hoping to have that book and course and everything out before podcast movement. So August, probably that's the goal. So we'll see.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It's good to have deadlines like that, though, to kind of get us into a structure where we're creating to move it forward mm-hmm exactly yeah that's a good strategy
0: yeah because yeah, i'm kind of hoping that maybe the book will be kind of a lead generator to the course and then the course will be kind of a lead generator into the production agency kind of like a three-step mm-hmm. thing i don't know we'll see how it goes
1: <laughs> yeah i see how it's a circle it's a loop which is good right mm-hmm. you want people to either land in a b or c and each one could lead to the other
0: mm-hmm yeah that's true See, the nice thing when you self-publish a book is that, like on Amazon, my plan is to actually order a bunch for myself and take it with me to Podcast Movement and just like hand them out. Yes, do that. So my cost is like two, three bucks, something like that per book, because I can order copies for myself at cost. I don't have to pay anything else. It's just cost or whatever. So it's like two or three bucks. So it's like kind of like a business card. But better.
1: (laughs) But better. Yeah, it's like your own grab bag. (laughs) So you said that your new book is going to be more along the lines of helping people understand how to monetize, maybe how to market. And I'm assuming growth is in there as well. Can you... Talk us through like, what are the couple of things that people are maybe getting it wrong when they think about these topics, or what they should be doing? Or maybe if there's one piece of advice, however, you want to answer that, whatever you think is most relevant.
0: Yeah, so I think a lot of people probably assume that sponsorship is the best way to monetize. And you can monetize that way. Though generally, you have to have like 50,000 downloads a month or something for it to even make sense. Minimum. Yeah. At least to do the standard sponsorship deals. What I've actually done, I have tried the sponsorship route, but the way I did it was I approached companies directly and just gave them a dollar amount, which was actually higher than the CPM or the cost per mille or whatever. That, you know, is kind of standard. And you know, several people, several companies jumped on and we did it that way. But it's so minimal. Like you're making maybe for an average podcast, maybe 50 bucks an episode at best.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, I mean, if you're Joe Rogan, obviously, like, yeah, if you're having millions of downloads, sponsorships might make sense.
1: But for the most of us. <laughs> yeah. For most people,
0: I wouldn't really recommend going that route. Unless you kind of do it the way I did it. But even if you did it that way, it's still not going to be enough to, you know, pay your bills or something. I mean, maybe your podcasting bills, but not like your mortgage or something. So I recommend, you know, you could monetize through affiliate marketing, You know, like maybe on a particular episode, you're talking about some kind of software or maybe you have an author on and you're talking about their book. You could include an affiliate link to that, you know, stuff like that. But it's still minimal that you'd be making. So really the route that I recommend, and this primarily would work for business related podcasts. Well, first of all, to either have your own product or service that Mm -hmm. you maybe reference in an intro, outro, something like that, or... Some people use the approach where the people they bring on their show could be potential clients. So it's kind of like you get to know someone on a podcast and then they become a client. So there's a few different ways you can go about it. But I would recommend something along those lines over sponsorship. So yeah, in the book, I'm going to cover like the different ways. I did kind of touch on this in my first book about it, but I'm going to be more specific and like use examples from what I did because I didn't have that experience in the first book but then also kind of talking more about like the networking aspect and collaboration as well as like how to be a good guest how to be a good host like how to get bigger names on your show or how to get on bigger shows like different things that I've tried. And some have actually worked. And I never had the idea of writing a book about it. But I was like, well, might as well. (laughs) That's kind of my attitude about everything. Might as well share it. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. I would agree with you on all of that, actually. And it's kind of how I vet who I work with is whether Hmm. they understand that pathway, because it's gonna be very hard to build experiences of success When the expectations are a little askew Mm -hmm. from the get go. So I think it's very important actually that you mentioned that because of course we want to cover costs at the least, or if we don't have all of the time, you know, time and energy comes and goes also our lives change and things are in flux usually. So keeping it consistent when it's not a monetized thing can be difficult. It just does become important at a certain point, if Mm -hmm. not at first, So for example, I have a client at the moment who recently shared with me how much it garners him clout in making deals when they learn that he has a podcast on the subject that relates and also with clients and partners. And he's like, I've made so much money off the podcast. It's just not directly. So he's like, this is a great vehicle for us, which is like, okay, I'm so glad that you get that because it's very hard for some people to connect those dots Mm-hmm. and when we open up to realizing how it's having a bigger effect than such a linear pathway as the CPM model, as you mentioned, has, it becomes very frustrating when we can't grow our numbers fast enough because it is a slow drip when it comes to growing downloads. And I think it's important to talk about that in a transparent way. So that's why I asked that question, and I'm glad you're writing a book about it. You know,
0: like earlier when I was talking about books, and I was like, well, there's kind of two ways to monetize it, either directly by book sales Or indirectly by, you know, someone purchasing something from you, whether it's a product or service because of the book, or at least if nothing else, getting a lead from it, you know, even if they don't buy something. Whereas like, so with the podcast, it's kind of the same thing for monetizing. There's kind of two main routes, either sponsorship, which would be kind of similar, I guess, if you're comparing it to a book as book sales versus you know, having your own product or service or whatever, getting clients through your podcast, kind of similarly to the book. So it's kind of like they both have those two avenues.
1: Yeah, they have that in common. And I see how you are leveraging it all together on top of that to kind of work together as these what I call entry points, are entry points into whatever it is that you want to offer them, or just getting to know you, in a couple of different ways. One is through audio. One is through reading. One is through, you know, going, we all go onto Amazon. So it makes a lot of sense in using both of these things to work together. And I encourage everyone, if you want to podcast and you're not sure how it fits into your life to think about what else is going on that you already are doing or want to do and see how those things pair together. Like, you're sharing about how you've been writing books, but they all kind of connect to what you're creating in the podcast space too. And they can work together. And course creation is going to be added to that and your services as well. And i kind of doing similar things with the same mindset. So I think it's about figuring out how we can put this all together, how it can all work together instead of putting a lot of pressure on a podcast to be like, this is the thing I'm going to quit my day job over. <laughs> it's like, okay, but... How can we bolster that and how can we connect the dots so that they all work together?
0: Yeah. Perfectly said.
1: (laughs) Oh, thanks. (laughs) I, I think that's why I like what you're doing so much about the book writing and why I wanted to focus on it is it kind of shows people that okay, well, if you like this, you might also like creating this other thing, which is writing a book. You probably have things to share with the world if you are podcasting or want to podcast and maybe it's not so hard to write a book. And I love that you made it feel very doable. So,
0: I mean, you could even
1: take
0: podcast episodes and turn them into a book or take a book and turn it into podcast episodes. Yes.
1: yes. There's just a
0: few different ways you can accomplish it.
1: Yeah. There's so much savviness in that statement. Yeah. And, Thinking outside of the box and kind of looking at things from a step back for a moment and saying, okay, what else can I do with this? You know, what if is a great question. I use that in, I'm also a creativity coach and that's a great tool is to say, well, what if X fill in the blank and just playing with our imaginations around things really opens up our ability to innovate. And that's kind of what you're doing with all of these iterations. So you should write a book called what if.
0: (laughs) I like that. (laughs) I mean, it probably already exists, but if
1: it doesn't. (laughs) It just needs a good subtitle. Yeah. Yeah, so
0: it probably exists, but, like, you could have a different subtitle than whatever one exists as, so.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I like that. Hmm, maybe I'll (laughs) steal that idea. So I just had so many takeaways from our conversation, but I'm wondering if there's one thing you would like the listener to take away from our conversation, what would that be?
0: In terms of things we discussed, that it isn't too difficult and definitely not expensive to either write a book, start a podcast, start any kind of online business. So if you have an idea or a passion or even a hobby or something you know a lot about, I mean, you could even take that and turn it into a book, a course, a podcast. So, yeah, I guess in terms of our conversation, that's kind of, I guess, the main takeaway probably.
1: You can do it. That you can do it. (laughs) Yeah. Because what if? (laughs) Because what if? What if you could? What if you did? (laughs) What if you did? (laughs) <laughs> I love that. Thank you for that. So how can we connect with you? How can people find your beautiful website? So
0: the website is the Sarah St. And that's just because Sarah St. John was taken. So that's T H E S A R A H S T J O H N.com. And I also, if anyone wants the books that I mentioned for free, you just do the com forward slash free, and then you can get all three ebooks for free that way. But yeah, that's probably the best place to go. And then the podcast is Frugalpreneur, which if you type that into any podcast app, it should pop up. So
1: perfect. Thank you so much. This was a really fun conversation. And I'm so glad that you joined me and- shared all of the things that you've done, all of the iterations and what you're doing now. And I'm so glad you found your passion.
0: Oh, well, thanks so much for having me. It's been probably one of my favorite podcast episodes. I've been a guest on. So thanks for having
1: me. Oh, that means the world to me. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you for listening to people begin. We hope that these episodes are helping inspire and empower you to take your next steps towards whatever you're thinking of creating. And if starting a podcast is what you're thinking of creating, then I would love to have you in my brand new private Facebook group, Unleash Your Podcast Niche, a podcast learning community for the aspiring podcaster who cares about creating an authentic message and making an impact with podcasting. Join us for live opportunities with me and meet other creatives like you who are at the same stage. There's a link in the show notes to join us. Happy creating.